Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and welcome to the show today. I trust I trust that you're having a great day. I want to give a big shout out to all of my local, national, and international listeners. Thank you so much for tuning each week to the Transformation for Success show. Well, today I have got something great for you today. It's November 6th, and it is the day of the midterm elections in the United States. Well, today on my show in the studio, I have two successful millennials, Jacob Masters, who's an advisor, investor, and coach, and Dr. Nairi Berry, a college professor of sociology and entrepreneur. They're going to share their their transformational journeys and viewpoints and opinions on the current political climate and how the millennials and Gen Zers votes can and should make a difference. Both guests are going to share their knowledge about the current elections, the importance of exercising the right to vote, and my question is, will this election be a defining transformational point in U.S. history? Well, we're going to see and share today. You know, a portion of Americans are going to vote in the most contested and emotionally charged midterm elections that many of us have ever witnessed. But the crucial word there is portion. Because statistically speaking, Americans don't usually vote en masse. There's one demographic in particular that has routinely underperformed at the ballot box on election day, millennials. Voting eligible young adults, of which many of us, I should say I'm one, no, (laughs) but anyway, many of our voting uh, eligible young adults have been profiled and pillared for their reluctance to take part in elections. Last month, uh, I overheard on an NBC News Gen Forward survey that over one third, just over one third of millennials said they probably or definitely will vote in this year's midterms. And what's wild is that this underwhelming estimate is actually a slight uptick from the 2016 presidential race and the 2014 midterms, when the millennial turnout didn't even get close to 30 percent, according to the census. So. Scores of young people sitting out elections isn't exactly a new thing because baby boomers won't admit it, but even they were less reliable or they were less reliable voters during their youth. But what's unique about millennials is the fact that in 2019, they will become the largest living generation in America. This will grant them sizable political power that could decide elections if they show up. So this is the day when people can elect their representatives in local, state, and national elections. And I am so happy to have Dr. Nairi Berry and Jake Masters, who are two successful millennials, I repeat, who are going to talk about the current political climate and their takes on why millennials and the Gen Zers should vote and will they have a great influence on the outcome of this year's midterm elections throughout United States. Now, hi, Dr. Barry. How are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you for inviting me. It's such a pleasure. How are you? I'm great. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so impressed with you and some of the work that you've been doing. And then I want to give a big old shout out to Mr. Jake Masters. How are you, Jake? Hello, Jake, are you there? Wherever you are in the morning, yes. (laughs) Good afternoon. (laughs) I'm saying, wherever you are, oh my gosh, Uh, this is so exciting. Uh, I want to share really quickly, because we've got a lot to talk about today, a little bit of background about my guest. My my first guest, Dr. Nairi Berry, is a college professor of sociology, and I mentioned that before, at Los Angeles Community College. She's a successful entrepreneur of Audacity Mentoring and Personal Development Academy, and her teaching pedagogy is infused 
with social theory and real life applications. So welcome again, Dr. Barry. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I know that you're passionate about helping young adults and you're doing a lot of great work and we're going to get involved with sharing how you became involved in civic engagement and what are some of the work that you're doing. And then Mr. Jacob Masters, Jake, he's known, an investor, coach, and advisor who grew up in a small Rust Belt town. And Jake, I'm going to get it right, Ohio, okay? (laughs) Where he he states, you had to work to survive. He's going to share a little bit about that statement he made. But both of them, again, are not shy, and I was happy to have them on the show because, uh, moreover, I wanted their their transformational journeys, their whys, and their viewpoints on the current political climate, and how since they are millennials from two different age groups, I might add, add, can make a difference uh, in what we're going to share about today. So I want you to stay tuned, as I am certain this is going to be an informative and exciting show. Boy, I'm kind of muddled today. But keep in mind that these are their viewpoints only. You may disagree or you may agree. This show is syndicated on the Empowerment and Business Channels. We're live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. And we have replays on the Business Channels on Saturdays at 12 p.m. and 12 midnight. Now, for those of you who'd like to call in the show today, you can call in at 1-888-346-9141. If you have questions of my guest or me, or if my international listeners, you can send your comments to me via email on info at transformationforsuccess.com. Okay, now to my first guest, Dr. Nairi, can you just share a little bit about your background? Sure. So I'm a California native. I grew up in South L.A. I'm one of seven first-generation, low-income African-American Mm-hmm. College graduate. I mm-hmm. continued and I re- received my um, ED at Pepperdine University. And so um, I got engaged with um, civics because I have a political, a bachelor's degree in political science and sociology. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I really became passionate about um, working in the community and things like that. Was this something that, you know, as a youth, did you see politicians or were you, you know, since you decided to major in political science, was there something that happened in your childhood or teenage period that sort of sparked that interest in political science? Yeah, well, what sparked the interest in political science, because I initially wanted to be a criminal defense attorney, because um, during Mm -hmm. the time I was growing up in my community, I saw a lot of African-American males going to prison Mm -hmm. unjustly because of... um, in California and across of the country, uh, the drug epidemic was really high. And I noticed that a lot of um, my peers in school and around mm-hmm. the community were going to jail because of unjust crimes. And so mm-hmm. I decided to major in political science. And then while I was majoring in, majoring in political science, um, I volunteered at a lot of um, assembly people's. Um, and then that's when I just said, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. Oh, that's great. I mean, so really, did you ever think about running for political office yourself? <laughs> yes, that is on the table, but it hasn't, it's not a final decision, yes. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> the, the the thing about these 28 midterm elections is that there, there, there are so many ways in which these elections are not anything but typical, because we've seen a surge in first-time candidates, especially women and minorities in many states. And that's why I asked you that question, because, you know, one of the rhetorical things I've been asking people, is this the year of the woman? This is the year of, you know, minorities uh, getting into politics. Uh, in the past several platforms or midterms, the party in power was relatively complacent compared with the party hoping to be in power. Uh, so, Nairi, I'm going to ask you this question. Don't mind me calling you Nairi, Dr. Nairi. Why do you think it's important oh, why do you think it's important to vote uh, in this year's midterm elections, and particularly uh, the millennials and and even the Gen Zers? I think it's important to vote in this um, current general election because um, just looking at the climate of our country and the representatives that lead our country, they are not reflective of our, our local communities and just our nation as a whole. People are colored. 
people of color need to have a seat at the table. People from lower marginalized communities need to have a seat at the table so our issues can be heard and addressed and policy can be made based on our issues. And I think that's a good thing. And of course, maybe this is what's sparking the interest of so many minorities, uh, candidates and women who are running for office because they see there's a need to have a voice at that table. What are some of the major concerns as a college professor and you're on a community college campus that you see or you hear from your students, some of whom are millennials? What are they saying uh, about the political climate today? They are very disappointed in the political climate. They're very disappointed in um, mm-hmm. the leadership that's being represented, that they represent us in Washington and at the state level. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the things that are, that are pressing that are, they are most concerned about is um, homelessness, gentrification, uh, student loan debt, um, food insecurities, and just um, when they're trying to do it the right way and they're pushing forward and th- trying to get that things done, they're mm-hmm. not getting the type of results, and that's what's pushing them to um, vote as well as run for office. Okay. Now, now one of the things in one of our earlier conversations, um, you talked about the gap in terms of uh, millennials and how we define them, and I'm going to pull Jake in, in here in a minute, uh, where we, we talk about, uh, I was intrigued when, when you mentioned that, that when we look at uh, 18 to 34, I mean, usually that's the number I've been given for millennials. And then you talk about, you know, in 2020, these millennials, many of them are going to be in their 40s. Can you speak to that, please? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's a, um, after, you know, 35 plus, there are different priorities that, um, mm-hmm. and I don't like to stereotype or put us all, um, put all millennials in a group because right. after a certain age, um, you're looking and you're pressing forward towards the future and certain mm-hmm. political interests and things, um, resonate in you for you, such as, like I said, student loan debt, student loan debt, um, under the Obama administration, a lot of policy change, uh, policies changed for student loan debt. And mm-hmm. like most people of color, most people of color have, particularly minority women, they have the highest student loan debt than almost any female in their counterpart, um, female counterpart. Mm-hmm. And that's an mm-hmm. important topic because yes, when the student mm-hmm. loan debt, it, 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 continues to put us in a lower socioeconomic status because we cannot purchase homes because of that student loan debt. Well, it is it is a concern, and I've heard many talk about that. Now, Jake, uh, I want to hear from you, uh, too, because I'm going to get you both in on the discussion. So let me just hear from, uh, and thank you, uh, yeah. Dr. Perry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, to Dr. Perry's point here, I mean, we're looking at, um, you know, according to a recent Harvard study um, just released in the past couple of days, uh, 40% of young people under the age of 30 will be voting uh, in this midterm and, and what we're talking about right now. So mm-hmm. very powerful very powerful this year. Uh, that's great. Well, you know, Jake, I know uh, just a little bit of your background. You're from that small town, <laughs> Ohio, the Rust Belt, you call it. That's right. And that's right. when I met you um, some, some time ago, I saw you as this bright, energetic young man with a dynamic presence, purpose and vision. And really, I can actually see you running for political office and winning. So that's, oh, well, wow, thank you. I don't know what if you've thought about that, well, but Dr. I know Dr. that uh, you've shared that you've overcome a lot of doubt and debt, poverty, and mental as well as physical pain. So mm-hmm. I want to know, Jake, you know, when I saw you, I mean, you certainly are the persona of this well, successful, integrated, healthy individual. What happens you were able to overcome these challenges? Well, I want to say, I want to address earlier, Dr. Dr. B, you mentioned you were a uh, part of the young voter group. You sure are, and don't you forget that. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, what I think helped ultimately overcome um, the challenges uh, rising and growing in my life uh, was, you know, my environment. And and, um, I'm a big fan of pillars. So, you know, in in, uh, Mm -hmm. parts of East Dayton and and Old Dayton, uh, there are these big, beautiful Victorian homes uh, with these massive pillars. And and I fell in love with them at a very young age. And so uh, I use those pillars as a representation of my life today. Um, And so I have different pillars 
uh, in my life that I'm able to use and uh, to influence and shape the direction and challenges that I'm going through. Um, some of those pillars being personal and professional, uh, other of those pillars being mind and body and soul and, and keeping myself healthy uh, on the inside. Um, and then uh, the last big pillar for me is, is ultimately uh, serving the greater good, and that's planting the seed of good. Someone once said to me, uh, Jake, there is more good in the world than bad. Uh, and I took a couple days to think about it, and you know what? They were right. <laughs> One of the things that Hello? when I met you, we talked about the fact uh, that you were committed to excellence. But basically, uh, I admired that. Uh, that commitment to excellence. The world is changing so quickly, Jake. You came to, uh, recently came to California. I know that. And you're now mm-hmm. in this new state of California, which is a bit different from Ohio and the Midwest. That can be challenging with millions of individuals that are now voting across the country today. So what did, have you found in terms of some of the concerns that you're hearing from uh, meeting some of these young millennials about their expectations in this midterm election? Yeah, that's a great question, Dr. B. I think, um, I think ultimately young, young voters and young people today uh, are, you know, to Dr. To Dr. Barry's point, uh, looking for uh, a voice. Right, whether it's their own or uh, or a platform, and I just want to say thank you so so much to the listeners and to you, uh, Dr. B, for this platform. Right, and th- this is ultimately uh, the stage uh, on which uh, we are able to create uh, what I wanted to lead into my next point, which is momentum. So one of the things that you all mentioned about why do we show up to vote today, and listeners, why do you show up to vote uh, and go get there today? Whether you weren't were there this morning, like I was <laughs> after my run, uh, or whether you're going to make it after work and, and, and get into the polling place. Why vote? The answer is momentum. Okay. Can so I stop you there, issues. Jake? Can okay, I ahead. stop you there? Go we're going to take a quick break. I got you going. We're going to come back, listeners, and stay tuned because we're going to talk about momentum. So, Jake, stay tuned. Listeners, we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within. But many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my discussion today with Dr. Nyree Berry and Mr. Jake Masters, both who are talking about their transformational journeys and viewpoints and opinions on the current political climate. And yes, today is the midterm elections voting day, November 6th. So, Jake, before we went on break, you were talking about momentum. So bring me back in. Momentum. Mm. 
Momentum, yes, ladies. So we were talking about <laughs> listeners, and we, we were mentioning the momentum of, of uh, why vote and, and why get there, why take action today uh, and go let your voice be heard. And so some of these issues that I'm hearing uh, on the investment landscape and with, with young people working in business and, and tech and uh, I work in next generation, some really fun things. Um, and it's the same things that, uh, that, that Dr. Barry are hearing, race and gender, uh, minority, ultimate equality. Uh, and so the answer of why vote is the momentum wave has already been built, right? So uh, a wave doesn't just start right away. It, it has to carry momentum and it gets larger. And that wave started uh, a while back. And, it, and that is the reason we go vote. That's the reason we take action. Continue the momentum. Continue that wave. Well, one of the things, too, uh, that has been said is sometimes, you know, those of us who are trying to get the millennials to vote, that we're using some of the wrong strategies uh, in trying to shame them or doing, other, you know, making promises or things that won't be kept. Uh, there was a lot of volunteers with President Obama when he was running uh, for election in 2016, and all these millennials and all these young people were voting. And then what happened in uh, the, the crash what happened? And they were like disgruntled. And I think, what are we to say to them now? Uh, both uh, Dr. Nairi, you and Jake, what would we say to them now? Mm-hmm. I would, ahead, I would just like to say, I would mm-hmm. like to say that the midterm elections are important because unlike the presidential election, there's not a electoral college. And so with the mid midterm you election, this Mm -hmm. is the one time where your vote really matters. This is the one time where millennials, with that myth that um, your vote doesn't count, that the Electoral College and the um, the 1% cannot dictate where your vote go to. And I think that's something very important to um, to share with the world, that the midterm elections, there is no Electoral College, and so your vote really matters. That's where the momentum should come from, because your vote really matters at this point. That's it's very, very true. I, I look at this, I, li- I like examples, and I, I look at this like a, a big, beautiful Lego set, right? How millennial is that? Uh, and so this, is, this, this midterm election uh, is, is a foundation, right? This is the, these are multiple building blocks um, that ultimately are going to help us uh, alleviate some of the pains that this country uh, are currently feeling. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's one of the things, too, that you said, Jake, and uh, when you you and I talked a little bit about this, that the world is changing very quickly. And you talked about changing and bridging the gap between innovation and infrastructure. What did you mean by that? And that that it's challenging, but it's not impossible. And it's going to take effort between the public and the private sectors to, you know, grassroots and the younger audience to do that. So expand a little bit on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Dr. B. It's a great point, and, and so I, I've got some research um, written and, and um, uh, around speed and timing, and, and there are some mm-hmm. other uh, pretty smart people throughout history who are also interested uh, in time as well. So, um, you know, part of, part of my infrastructure and, and, and development as a coach and a mentor and an investor uh, is to help people understand uh, their time and their speed, right? The here and the now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's great to talk about six months. It's great to talk about the past elections and future elections, but how important to be in the here and now. How important to understand uh, to Dr. To Dr. Nairi's point, uh, you know, ultimately the, the political climate, um, the, the temperature that, that you can change and alter that uh, with these midterm elections. These are critical, critical moments. Um, and so the, the efficiency here uh, is to understand that and, and to be around that and understand your speed and your timing, uh, where you implement things. And with these midterm elections, it happens today. It happens right now. And it's very important to get out there and make sure that you meet time uh, where it expects to meet you. You know, one of the questions, too, as you say that, understanding the midterm elections, what I began to realize is I've been talking with some, not just mid uh, millennials, but some of the older generations, the baby boomers and those beyond, is that a lot of people do not understand the political process in this country. They do not know the difference between the House of Representatives and the Senate. The really, uh, we, Dr. Perry, Dr. Nairi, I want you to sort of help me with this because, you know, we're not 
teaching civics in classes anymore. And so you're growing, we're growing students that don't know the political process. So how can they, and they don't know where to go to vote. They don't know that they need to pre-register, you know, vote to register. How do we handle this? I mean, I'm just really dismayed that I find even with women that I have, maybe I shouldn't say that, but women I've come across in leadership roles and will ask the question about the political process and they don't know this. Are you guys aware of that? And how do we handle it? What do we need to do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things I do with my business is um, Audacity Mentoring and Professional Development is I teach a 10-week course on civic engagement and how important and how everything is set up, the House of Representatives, the mm-hmm. Supreme Court and, the, and how the senators, you're absolutely right. Um, as a professor, um, most of my students, not all of them, but do not know necessarily the two senators in, in our state. They don't necessarily know. They can't name all those nine Supreme Court justices. And, it's, and I think it's a failure, just a huge failure in our education system. And that's why one of the, it's important for people of color to vote because, again, when we look at this makeup on in the, on California's ba- ballot, we have a, a superintendent on the ballot, two, two people running for the superintendent. And so also the, um, the second largest school district, Los Angeles Unified School District, that's on the ballot to be redistricted. And so it's important that these these things are addressed because if the the resources and the funding, of course, will not go to the communities of color and the civics, the civic courses will be taken out of the class. And I think that's a, a re, one of the reasons why um, our students, not just millennials, uh, Gen Z and X, don't know the civic process. And I think it's really important. That's why I offer that course throughout my agency. Well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear you do that. Jake, can you t- give a take on that? Because you're, maybe in Ohio, they, they taught you uh, civics and you learned the process. Sure, sure, absolutely, yeah. And, and as, as most of our listeners know, and, and, and you ladies as well, Ohio is a, a battleground. It is a, an absolute swing state. Uh, it's one of the first things uh, before the Wright brothers, I think most of the time that I hear from people uh, is, is, wow, you're from Ohio. That's a big swing state. <laughs> so um, people are aware of this, of this battleground and the political climate here um, and how important these, uh, these, these moments are. Um, but uh-huh. to your point to uh, both of you ladies, that the resources, an education piece is very simple, right, listeners and, and, and everyone listening in. Um, look at our online. We are the information age, right? Google it. Uh-huh. 2018 uh-huh. Voters Guide. There you go. There's the answer. Um, and the, the, those, those links there will give you everything you need. Uh, if you don't have online access, you have the paper. Uh, I'm sure you do if you're listening some way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> use, your, use your resources and, and understand. Uh, you know, I was just having a conversation last night with, uh, with someone in uh, mid mid. 30-year-old, almost maybe closer to 40s, and uh, never voted, ever. And the excuse was, I don't understand who I'm voting for, so why would I go punch a ballot? So, you know, no, no uh-huh. longer an excuse, right? We are, we are the information age now. So um, please use the resources yeah. and, and go vote. That's so true. You know, if you don't have an answer, right. Google Google it. You know, That's Google right. has just That's about right. everything That's you could right. possibly ask for. You know, one of the things I realized this morning that we haven't talked about the gubernatorial races and how important they are and why are they important. I don't think many people realize that. Can any one of you address that issue? Why the gubernatorial races are so important, critical in these midterm elections? Um, I'll address that. The reason why the gubernatorial races are important is because um, the governors are the ones that basically invite or shape the political tone for the welcoming session of the president. So I think it's important if we have the, the whatever the governor of that state is, they set the tone for um, how we that state reflects throughout the country as well as the world and if we're supportive of the incoming or outgoing president so i think it's very important that we have some really really um tight governor races um 
in our country. Um, we have one, uh, well, in Georgia for the first time in our country, 2018. It really bothers me to say that, that we're in 2018 and we need to get excited about the first female governor in our country. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how far behind we are. We, it, that yeah. should not be something that should be celebrated. It's, it's supposed to already be done. And so that race is very important to me as well. And we can take a look at, um, Florida, you know, Andrew Gillum, you know, we, he will be the first African American. Again, we're in 2018. Well, right. And we need but to also, celebrate. The person who wins in Florida is also usually a candidate for the president's presidency in the United States. Mm-hmm. But let me just go back a moment. What I do know is that 2020, the redistricting of these states are going to take place. Who helps with that and decides when the districts are redistricted? will be the governors. And that's why this gubernatorial race is so important because of the Mm -hmm. coming redistricting that's going to occur in 2020. So there's a lot of stuff, I think, not a stuff, I don't want to say it that way, but there's a lot of information that people lack. They don't get the information. Now, I'm not saying that you, you know, like you said, Jake, you can Google information and and get it, but there's always a broader underlying theme that I think people need to be able to be understand to understand and to be aware of. So that's important. So I think no matter what the outcome, but what is interesting to me, and I'm going to bring this up, is that uh, the world is watching uh, for the first time the midterm elections. In previous years, they haven't really been that concerned, but the world is watching. And a number of countries are interested in the outcome of this election season because of economic states. Uh, I know China is watching, and even Kenya, uh, whom I visited Kenya a number of years, for example, they're watching as well. So what do you think would be some of our um, strategies in terms of minorities and women? How do we keep our stakes high in this election uh, time and period? I think that's a great point. I think it's a combination of what we spoke of earlier, some of the mm-hmm. momentum that has been built uh, with some of the other movements that coincide with the building of minorities and, and, of, and of women and, and of groups that, um, that, are, that are building that. And then I think it's also uh, a play on, on our media and our reporting. And, you know, for me, uh, for me it has been a shame to see uh, reporting. I've always been a big fan of journalism uh, throughout my life. And, and you know, we're seeing a, a very, uh, I think this is a, a crucial point to bring up. I think we're seeing a very unique time uh, as sort of a bit of fallout from the information age uh, where reporting has gone you know, a little awry, you know, there's, there's no, it's sort of like the wild, wild west, uh, with, with information right now. Um, and I think that's sort of what, what we see with the net neutrality and some of the other things that are important on these, uh, on these recent voting, uh, issues. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's something we need to pay attention to. Okay. We got a caller, Nick from Arizona. Hi, Nick. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Okay, is your question uh, addressed to Dr. Barry or to Jake or me? <laughs> Just a question in general or comment? Um, I, I guess all of the above. I guess um, to an important force in this election, I'm kind of interested in, uh, are there plans to engage millennials? Um, they have been shown with the proper you know, resources and engagement to be an influential deciding factor in some of these elections. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jake, you want to take on that question, or do you want to talk yeah, about it? Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> okay. no. I think no. I think that's mm-hmm. super important, Dr. Nairi. Oh yes, um, like I said, I um, facilitate a ten-week course to engage millennials on the civic engagement and importance of having their vo- voice heard and being uh, having a seat at the table. So currently, mm-hmm. today, absolutely, no, I'm not doing anything but just sharing my voice here. 
with well, Dr. V. And, and I will say, I will, I will say too. I, I spend, I spend uh, quite a bit of time on on campuses around the nation, uh, and, and and am a, a huge fan of higher education administration and leadership. Uh, and I will tell you that from the student side of things, uh, it is evolving and it is changing, just like it always has. Uh, there are new groups being created. Uh, there are new institutions within institutions. So, uh, for example, um, I was a collegiate athlete. I uh, I played football in college and, and was a scholarship athlete. And uh, towards the end of my career, um, uh, uh, early maybe 2011, 2012, uh, it was a, it was a new initiative for the NCAA to to create uh, a student government for the athletic body. Right. So this was to create an informed. Uh, institution of people, uh-huh. uh, a couple basically as student athletes from each group uh, to represent and and uh, inform the rest of the team on uh, what was going on, you know, with, with whether voting coming up or whether uh, campus activities, mental health, whatever whatever it may be. And so I think we're seeing that shift and that change and um, the importance of that. And I just want to well, say this too, Nick. Well, um, an important um, issue for a lot of millennials that may be a single issue, voting issue, I mean, millennials in general are shown to be less partisan than generations before, mm-hmm. student loans, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a huge opportunity um, if someone wants to address them, I mean, we're looking at potentially a 40% default rate by 2023, um, you know, it curtails innovation and it's kind of robbed an entire generation of the American dream with, you know, the way this debt functions, it can't be discharged in bankruptcy, this, you know, these aren't <laughs> the same student loans that our parents had. Great point. And great point. That's great a great point. point. You, you know, um, I there's a. I mean, I know plenty of millennials that would vote single issue if somebody could kind of put together a solution or even some sort of proposal for reform. Mm-hmm. So, have you heard anyone that's running for elected office come forth with any sort of solutions, Nick? I'm not aware of anyone, honestly, um, as far as who's actually really plugged the numbers and let out, uh, you know, a plausible solution, not just sort of, you know, rendering um, verbiage. Okay. I think when you start talking about solutions to student debt, I think there's a person, actually, the person that's running for governor of Florida is talking about that issue, as a matter of fact. He's running, uh, and that's one of his platforms, is to eradicate some of the student debt for students. So I don't know if you knew that or not, but um, Dr. Barry, were you aware of that? that, that yes, one I was platform? aware that was one of his one of his platforms. Um, and, but um, I don't think that's a single issue over here in California. No. But I do no. know it's a huge concern. It's a huge concern. That is one of the reasons why um, I offer, um, because I'm one of those people that incurred a huge um, student loan debt um, mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. on my doctorate degree. So my concern is I think one of the problems with student loan debt is um, People of color from marginalized communities are not aware of scholarship opportunities. So what I do at Audacity Mentoring and Development Training Academy is I lure and find aggressively um, scholarships for students of color and minorities. And so that's my one of my the ways I combat huge student loan okay. debt because it's a huge okay. problem. And I don't think most students are aware of that the money that's out there for um, scholarships. So that's one well, way. Me, but that's one of my main issues and concerns. Oh, let me stop you at that point. I've got to go on break, you guys. Let's oh. stop and uh, let's continue this conversation right after break. We'll be right back. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Nick, for calling in and stay on the line if you'd like to have more conversation with us. Okay. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. 
Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back. I hope you're still listening in because we've got a lot more things to talk about. And I'm here with my guest today, Dr. Nyree Berry, college professor and entrepreneur, and Mr. Jake Masters, who is just absolutely this wonderful young man who is doing a lot of work in California today. I'm so glad we got you, Nate. Jake, I'm glad we got you. <laughs> Listen, yeah, we, had a great, so glad. We, we had a great discussion. And Nick, I don't know if you're still on the line or if you had to leave, but uh, he brought up this whole question. Oh, no, I'm still, I, I'll see her. Okay, you're still here. Great, because you brought up a great point, uh, uh, one, about uh, the millennials not knowing the stakes, not knowing uh, about student debt, and how it's not being addressed, and what are some of the things that we can do. Uh, I brought up the fact that we do have a governor that has that as a part on his platform. Maybe it's not as extensive as one would like, but Dr. Berry brought up some of the things that she's doing to help uh, students understand that there are loans, there are other alternatives to mitigate against uh, getting uh, more in debt. Okay, Dr. Nyree, take it away because you were talking before we left. <laughs> I didn't want to take away your thunder here. <laughs> so, yeah, one of the things that I do at Audacity Mentoring and mm-hmm. Personal Development Leadership Academy is we go aggressively. We have a 12-week program where we go aggressively searching and applying for scholarships. One of the problems is so many scholarships go unclaimed, and I think the problem that what our country has taught or trained potential college students for is to rely on financial aid. And the problem Mm -hmm. with relying on financial aid is eventually financial aid will steer you or lead you into subsidized loans. And that's the huge problem. And when you get subsidized loans in undergrad and you have um, goals or intentions to go to graduate school, you can end up, I think the average, um, according to a survey in California, the average student loan debt right now for the student is $40,000 after graduate school. Mm-hmm. You know, but Dr. Barry, I well, want to get to I mean, you bring, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jake. Mm-hmm. I, I would say you kind of bring up a really important point, too, with this information asymmetry. And I think, unfortunately, um, at least statistically, minorities have especially been targeted by some of these yes. for-profit uh, universities yeah. with some really aggressive marketing programs where they don't necessarily, you know, like what you're doing mm-hmm. is incredible where you're helping them find scholarships and getting the perspective, the ROI mm-hmm. on, you know, what career path you want to pursue. Um, I mean, I think that's where this has kind of been a really uh, a major area of concern. You know, a lot of, especially you're, you're right, the, the push for just financial aid, you know, not even talking about, well, how can we work with the school to get students employed to offset some of that. I mean, if you have any issue, they always just tell you, apply for additional financial aid. Yes, that's the solution, unfortunately. Okay, uh, Jake, did you and, have anything to share on that? Oh, okay. No, no, not at all. I think that, yeah, I, I'm, trust me, I think, uh, actually, it's funny, Nick, myself, Dr. Nye, where, you know, we've all, we're all in the, in, in the student, student loan game our, ourselves, uh, and are navigating <laughs> yeah. that. But, uh, but here's ecosystem. a factor, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do have a doctorate, so you can imagine the, <laughs> yeah, Nick wow. is a doctorate. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, so do I, and I actually, I, I went into debt with my home. I uh, took out a mortgage loan to pay for my, uh, my doctorate at US because it wasn't cheap. But here's the thing that I want to say that uh, I was in higher education for almost 40 years. Um, one of the things that it, we have moved, and I, and I go back to 1969, okay, being in higher ed, I've seen a, a transition in terms of worse. First of all, it was a BA degree, remember? And then who pushed for the master's degrees? 
we have to realize that the push for the master's degree was formed by corporate, by corporations and companies, that if you had a master's oh, degree, wow. you could come work for the corporation. Or you could come, you know, work for some other institutions or entities. Even the colleges and universities require you to have a master's or PhD to become a a college professor or EDD. So where do we look at where the pressure came from? So take a look at that for a moment. Because when I was coming along, just to get a BA was great. I came along in college where there was no opportunity for, there was no financial aid. It was families that pulled together that got me into college. And I went to UC Berkeley. Now, tuition was $60 a month. I mean, $60 a, a semester. But that was exorbitant <laughs> during that time. So the thing is, if we start looking at where did all the pressure come to get the master's, to get the doctorates? And then here comes the loans because we feel we have to do it. We have to get it in order to get that job. Have you guys thought about that? Yes, I'm very aware of that. Um, according to statistics, um, African American females have the highest, um, they're the highest educated group, female group, and they have the highest um, student loan debt. We're not even going to begin to, dis- to discuss the income wage gap with African American females, according no. to their no. white female counterparts. No. So the problem with that is African-American females are going to get the education to qualify for the jobs where, like That's you said, exactly right. the minimum requirement is a master's degree. However, the preferred requirement, as you know, Dr. B, in um, higher education is a doctorate degree. And even with all that education and all that experience, the African-American female often, likely, is not the one to receive the job. And we also know we put that together with the income wage gap, African-American females had their household household 73% of the time. And so with that being said, I believe that's one of the reasons why we are pushed to go get that extra education. And I I do blame it on corporate America. I don't necessarily only blame it on corporate America, but I also blame it on um, academic education as well. It's, it's right. a push to get African-Americans right. to get those um, right. people of color to get the degrees, and we're stuck with the, that student loan debt. And I am one of those people that... Um, I can pers- hear it. Pursued. I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear the emotion. I can hear the emotion. Yes, I pursued my... Absolutely. <laughs> and so that's why I've decided to come up with a solution um, the the people after me, I refuse to allow them to accumulate all this student debt without understanding all their options or knowing all their options. So that's why I offer the 12-week course where they look for the scholarships and I train them extensively on getting the scholarships. Now, can I make this case, too, is that you're in a community college. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I feel there's a lack of knowledge with high school students and middle school students knowing that there are other occupations, that there are certifications. I know, for example, there are very good occupations and professions that you can have where you can get an AA degree and certification and have a good job, sometimes even better than the ones at the BA. So what I'm trying to say is there's oh, a lack yeah. of information I mean, in terms HVAC of... HVAC guys in Texas, when I lived out there, or HVAC guys in Florida, I mean... Mm-hmm. You know, anyone who goes into that profession, guy or girl, we know that they're looking at a considerable starting salary, and that's a technical education. Well, I can talk about uh, physical physician assistants. I can talk about firefighters. I can talk about uh, PAs. I can talk about a number of professions, uh, physical therapists, respiratory care therapists, where it's only a two-year degree in a community college. So what I think is a lot of our students, and I don't want to get onto this because we're getting off the vote, voting thing, but it's like it's lack of information and clarification on what you can do for a quality life. And so we've been given a hype. Our students are given a hype. You must go to college, and particular minority students, that you have to have that BA. you got to have that job. And then you make all this money, I mean, all this investment in but, debt, but and no, then you but can't I, get I don't want to end on a negative note. So, so any listeners, don't, you know, go to school. <laughs> education, education, education. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> saying don't go to school. I'm saying, but there are options. There are community is, colleges yeah. where you can get yeah. certified degrees. That's all I'm saying. That's right. For That's me. right. That's right. I think, I think all of us would agree here, listeners, no, all of us speaking with tell you education is one of the keys it's the key uh, to life it is one of the golden keys oh, yes. mm-hmm. 
But if you cannot get in debt, if you can get something where you're not in debt, that's now, right. There are ways to there are ways to think smarter. Yes. <laughs> one of the things, uh, yeah, Jake, like, you exactly. want to talk about um, is that fact that a millennial mastermind they're they're growing, uh, and I started a millennial mastermind to help frame a discussion of some of these issues as it relates to education, politics, relationships, career planning financial wealth building, all of those. And I think some of those are going to be helpful as millennials want to band together, not just in California, but all over the United States, and talk about what you and Dr. Barry talked about, uh, how, and Shake, I think you mentioned this, how we collectively can build a stage for the light to shine good in the world. So share that a little bit as we begin to close the show today. How yeah, can go we ahead, Nick. How about, we'll let our, yeah, Nick, if you want to go ahead and give your closing remarks. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is it's about a dialogue. We have to get away from necessarily, oh, this isn't polite to discuss. This is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the biggest mistake we've kind of made over the years is we don't talk to each other enough. Um, great point. Great point. We get, great point. You know, we're, a lot of us, we're all in the kind of the same place you know, Uh same struggles. We all ultimately want better lives for ourselves, our kids, you know, um, get away from divisiveness and really just have a dialogue about, well, how do we come up with the best solution to this? And not necessarily, you know, who gets credit for it or, you know, worrying about partisan politics. Uh, you doctors, I was a, I was a comm major, uh, and it is because I simply understood that communication uh, was the key to a better world. I saw that at a very young age. I understood that all the wars, all of the barriers, all of the gender inequality, everything that the world is experiencing can be solved very simply through communication. And I knew that at a very, very, very young age. Um, and so to Nick's point, you know, my answer is communicate. Absolutely. Dialogue. Communicate. Don't be afraid to have differences. Don't, you, you know, don't, don't be afraid to go back and forth with someone. It's, it's okay to, to not agree or see eye to eye and still be able to discuss your feelings. And what, what it's very important to be able to do that. Very, very important. Dr. Nairi? Oh. Okay, how does social media play into that nowadays since we aren't really dialoguing in person? We're doing everything, you know, sitting next to one another in a classroom and I'm texting. <laughs> That's critical. critical. Absolutely critical. Okay. Uh, so maybe di- we need a lot more of that in-person dialoguing because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. problem with social media is you're distant from the harm and sort of the repercussions of what you do. I mean, look at the cruelty you see on social media that would never occur in a regular engagement with someone because you, you know, you are removed from the consequences of that. You only see the response they want you to see. You know, you hurt someone in person, you can see that reaction in their face. You can, you have to appreciate the consequences of what you've done, whether you've intended to or not. You know, you don't have that with social media. And I mean, I don't think there is a substitute for human contact. There isn't. And maybe that I, needs to be acknowledged. And I'm telling you this as a millennial. I just mm-hmm. don't think there's a substitute for human contact, and you know, digital communication will never really okay. replace that. All right. Well, you know what, you guys, this is a dialogue that we must continue. And I want to thank you all for being on the show today. You were great. And no matter the outcome of the midterm elections today, fixing America's electoral system in a broader sense is going to take years, if not decades. But that fight will be much more possible if, as you all say, we dialogue, we fix it together as a united nation. I like the tagline of Erica Stotts Pearson, whom I interviewed last week, who's running for out of Tennessee for the U.S. Senate. Come together, share together, succeed together. And that's what we all must do. So, listeners, I want to thank you so much for listening to the show today. I'm so happy to have Nick and Jake and Dr. Nyree on today. Thank you for listening. I want you to be blessed. Have a great week. Be forever transformed. And to all of my United States listeners, go vote. And this is Dr. Barbara Young signing off until next Tuesday. Have a great week. (music) 
appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an outstanding week. 